welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 73. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week, I've been playing plenty of Outriders since its release last Thursday. It's the latest looter shooter to enter a tricky market, but it's so far so good. I've also been playing 80s-inspired Narita Boy, as well as Genesis Noir, and I've been playing those on the Xbox Series X, and I'll bring you my thoughts on the console later on. It's a busy show as always, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week and the clocks have changed here in the UK so it's much brighter, the sun stays up later, there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel, which is great stuff. Although the weather has been wild here in the UK this week, we got up to a record-breaking 24 degrees at the back end of March, only for everyone to wake up today with snow in some parts of the UK, so it is crazy weather at the moment. Before we get into the show, I did want to plug the podcast Patreon, so you can send in your questions and your stories for community questions by signing up to Patreon, and for as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron. We can access exclusive Discord rooms. You can send in questions and comments to be read out on this week in video games podcast. And you can get exclusive content and early access too. There's plenty of benefits over on Patreon. Plus, you get to support the show and help this week in video games become a little bit more self sufficient. And I did want to give a shout out to the YouTube members Vince Hat and Burt Ways. I really appreciate you for going the extra mile and supporting this week in video games by hitting that join button on YouTube. If you're interested in becoming a member, check out This Week in Video Games on YouTube and join today. Well, that is enough intro waffle from me. Let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, this week, a lot of my time has been taking up playing Outriders, and I decided to jump back into the demo before the main release to get a feel for all the classes. So we've got the Trickster, the Pyromancer, the Devastator, and the Technomancer. And I did make guides for each class and post them up on YouTube, and you can find some useful tips and tricks for Outriders there. I am only about 12 hours into the game at the moment, so today I'm going to offer some first impressions. But I will be posting plenty of Outriders content on YouTube as I get further into the game and stuck into the endgame. So if you're enjoying Outriders, then I'd love to see you along for the journey. Otherwise this week I've been checking out a couple of indie gems in Narita Boy and Genesis Noir. I've also been getting plenty of playtime with my new Xbox Series X, and given that all the games I'm showcasing today are on Xbox Game Pass... So, as well as the games, I'm going to be offering up some thoughts and my initial impressions on the Xbox Series X console. But first of all today, let's jump into Outriders. Well, Outriders is here and it's the newest looter shooter to enter the market from People Can Fly. And I'm about 12 hours into the main campaign at the moment, having spent roughly about the same amount of time with the demo. So these are my first impressions, albeit with the caveat that I haven't experienced the endgame content just yet. I was sceptical about Outriders at first and mildly hyped for the full release. You know, I'm a big fan of looter shooters, having put hundreds of hours into Destiny, Destiny 2 and tens of hours into The Division and Avengers. And the thing that really drew me to Outriders was the build potential, as this is something I really enjoy with Destiny, looking at the combination of classes, weapons, armour and mods that go well together to create a fun and engaging gameplay style. And on first impressions, Outriders appears like it's got all the right ingredients. 
I'm starting out with a story. I've seen some feedback online that the story isn't great. But to be honest, I've been enjoying it. You know, there's elements of Starship Troopers and other sci-fi in there. And it's your classic story of humanity using up all the resources on Earth in a distant future, only to find another planet, land, and find that planet aggressively doesn't want us on arrival. So as an outrider, it's our job to secure the new planet Enoch and bring home the landing craft full of the last of humanity. Unfortunately, there's alien storms raining down on Enoch and 99% of the time it kills everything in its path. Luckily, we're in that slim 1% where the anomaly changes us into a super-powered being and injured from the storm while we're out to find beacons on Enoch for the crew of Outriders we're placed into stasis for 30 years only to wake up to a war between the remaining humans and the newly formed Altered, other super-powered humans affected by the anomaly. In terms of the gameplay, I'm having an absolute blast with Outriders. There's four classes to choose from, including the Trickster, Devastator, Pyromancer and Technomancer. Tricksters are good for close-range combat, manipulating time and space, plus you get to wield a deadly light sword. Devastators are the tank class, allowing you to get in up close and personal, covering yourself with rock for extra protection and able to shake the ground beneath you. Pyromancers wield fire and work well at medium range, whereas Technomancers are the long-range class and wield a series of deadly gadgets like turrets and rocket launchers. And the classes themselves are all fairly different and have their pros and cons, but all are very, very fun. One of the things that promotes all-action gameplay is the healing mechanic of each class. So each Outriders class has a different way to heal. Rather than hiding behind a rock or cover to heal, you have to perform different actions. The Tricksters heal by killing close-range enemies, Pyromancers heal by marking their enemies and then killing them, Technomancers heal by dealing damage, and so on and so forth. On the face of things, this looks like a cover shooter at first, similar to Gears of War, which nods back to People Can Fly's past with the Gears series. However, you should know that getting stuck in there with a shotgun and the close quarters battles is definitely where the fun lies in the game. Well, the classes offer up some difference in gameplay, plus you can specialise further with the rather intensive and detailed class trees. Each class has three specialisations and you can collect class points as you progress through the game. This allows you to increase damage, increase anomaly power or spec into health and survivability. Well, each class has eight skills which draws upon your newfound anomaly power. And as well as the wide array of guns, and there's definitely plenty here, you can draw on a series of special moves which you can mix and match. And there's eight available for each class, and you can equip three at one time. For example, I'm running as a trickster, and I can conjure a sword from thin air to slice up my enemies when they're in close proximity, or I can cast a time-slowing bubble which makes everything inside the bubble go in slow-mo, allowing me to dance around my enemies, picking them off one by one with a shotgun. Most classes have the ability to infuse bullets with their powers like Burn, Slow and Ash, and these skills have shorter cooldowns than what I'm used to with other looter shooters, allowing me to run into massive groups of enemies, take them out with one skill, and either control the battlefield with the others, or pick off multiple bad guys with another one. In terms of the power fantasy, Outriders does a really good job of making you feel powerful and having a lot of fun with it. And then we've got the loot. So this is one of the most important, if not the most important, aspect of a looter shooter. There's a variety of rarities in Outriders, including common, unusual, rare, epic and legendary. And I did get my first legendary weapon yesterday in the Grim Marrow. And I've seen plenty of others in action and they look absolutely insane. So I've got plenty of rare and epic weapons and the mods 
They're absolutely wild. So the weapon design is fantastic, and the mod system is very, very useful too. For example, you can break down weapons and save the mods for later, and slot them onto other weapons, making them even more powerful. There's also a crafting system via vendors which allows you to upgrade your weapons, and I'll definitely be reporting back once I discover more. There's a variety of weapon types including shotguns, snipers, SMGs, LMGs, automatic shotguns, sidearms and array of automatic rifles too. As well as good weapons, Outriders does have a strong armour game, so the gear definitely matters in this game from a mod point of view and also from a visual point of view too. One mistake I think Avengers made was not having a visible difference in your character when they placed on different armour pieces, but here there's none of that at all. So each armour piece has its own character and allows you to customise the look and feel of your Outrider, as well as utilise different mods that will give you a percentage improvement in your stats. The loot system with weapons, armour and mods all works together really, really well, providing you with that incentive to go back out there and get improved gear. So it has been a pretty successful launch for Outriders so far, but it's not all been smooth sailing. The game did have big server issues on launch day, and they continued about 48 hours later. And one of the reasons I'm not further in the game already is because of the server errors and disconnects in the first few days. Now it relates to the decision of making this an always online game, when you really don't need to be unless you are matchmaking with friends. So the game is really, really good fun when playing with other Outriders, and the system is fairly easy to get to grips with, but if you want to run through the game as a single-player game, then you don't really need to be online. You know, the launch could have been a lot smoother if there was an option to disconnect, but saying that, this is nothing new for looter-shooter launches. People can fly and square, they're doing their best to get everyone back online as soon as possible, and in the last couple of days, to be honest, it's been pretty good, I think I had one crash this morning when I was playing just before recording the podcast, and that's been about it. I have noticed the gameplay does get a little bit repetitive. The encounter zones aren't really that big. It's not like a patrol space in Destiny 2, for example. And the encounter design also appears to be drop-in, kill a bunch of bad guys, sometimes human, sometimes alien, make your way through a series of encounters and then fight a boss or multiple bosses at once. There's not really a lot of variety in the encounters at the moment, but I am early in the game and this may change a little bit later on. Having said that though, I don't really mind it being repetitive at this stage because the combat is fun and the loot is definitely rewarding. You get that rush from defeating a boss and see the loot spewing out, laying there on the ground all shiny, waiting for me to pick it up. I remember the early days of Destiny where I'd be running around on the moon, collecting helium filaments and doing similar kind of repetitive encounters, and again, I'd do that all because the action was fun and the gameplay loop kept me in there. So Outriders so far has had a good start, it's probably not going to win any Game of the Year awards, but it's a really good looter shooter which has had one of the best launches the genre has seen for some time. You know, Anthem has died, the Division 2 fizzled away and the Avengers is definitely struggling. There's plenty of promise here with Outriders, I'm looking forward to getting into the endgame and hopefully with multiple legendaries in my hands. Well that is it for my first impression of Outriders, but next up I'm going to have a look at the Xbox Series X. And I got this console about 3 or 4 weeks ago and it's been sitting there patiently, but over the last few weeks we've had multiple games released. So Narita Boy, Genesis Noir, Outriders, all the games that I'm showcasing today on the podcast but next up, I'm going to have a look at my Xbox Series X review. I finally got my hands on an Xbox Series X and having spent a few weeks with the console, I wanted to give you my initial impressions. 
So I'm knee-deep in the next generation now with both PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. The following is my review of the latest offering from Microsoft. Microsoft started off the last generation with a rough start with the Xbox One. The Kinect was still a thing that didn't have the exclusive games found on the PlayStation 4. However, throughout the generation, Microsoft shifted their strategy with the emergence of Xbox Game Pass and Project xCloud. Armed with their two new consoles, Microsoft had positioned itself really, really well going into this generation. Well, first up, let's have a look at the hardware, and I really like the visual look and feel of the Xbox Series X, especially when compared to the rather strange PlayStation 5. You know, when compared to its predecessor, the Xbox One, the Xbox Series X is quite large. You know, it's similar to a small tower PC, it's black and it stands tall in your media centre. Given the shape, the best place for it is probably next to a TV or monitor, rather than tucked away in a drawer or under the display. So it's got an Ethernet port, three USB ports and the HDMI connection and a storage expansion slot, which will no doubt come in handy given the size of the games this generation. The power brick has been removed and the console comes with a standard power cable and it also comes with an HDMI 2.1 cable which allows for high speed transmission of data to the screen which enables up to 120fps although you do need a monitor or TV with a matching HDMI 2.1 capabilities to take full advantage. The console itself is really really quiet and the only time I really notice it's there is when it quietly chimes into life when you turn it on. You can't hear the fans hardly at all and it makes a huge difference from last generation. And on top of the console there's a grate which acts as a good ventilation throughput for the system plus you tilt the console to an angle and you can see the trademark Xbox green painted on the inside. Well next let's have a look at the performance and the Xbox Series X is lightning fast thanks to the Xbox Velocity architecture. This includes an NVMe solid state drive and the power can be felt in loading times especially in huge open world games. And the difference is absolutely massive, loading almost instantaneously, and once you've tried this speed, it's really tough to go back to how it was before. There's a bunch of other performance features which make your gameplay experience much better this generation. So for example, the system memory is optimized so textures load faster, there's less screen tear due to the variable refresh rate, and also there's hardware accelerated ray tracing to help make the worlds much more realistic and immersive. The Xbox Series X comes with a 1TB of hard drive space, which I can see filling up very quickly. You know, one of the first things I did was download Call of Duty Warzone, which is already a quarter of the hard drive gone, and the lifespan of the console these days is approximately 5 years, and I can imagine games are going to be getting very, very big this generation. The Xbox has released their proprietary external storage drive, which can slot into the system, and these are a little expensive for what they are given you can buy the same hard drive space for about half the price for non-Microsoft alternatives. But hopefully Microsoft will work with partners to make this much more affordable for gamers in the not-too-distant future. Behind the speed and the performance is 12 teraflops of GPU power that works with a 16GB of GDDR6 320-bit memory, including 10GB of GPU optimized memory that works to prevent bottleneck. And the Xbox Series X can therefore reach 4K 120fps, and again, you do need a monitor or TV that works with this, but if you do, the results are absolutely stunning. 
Well, next up, let's have a look at the UI, and the main UI is pretty much unchanged from the Xbox One, although the speed and responsiveness has been improved. Picking up from where you left off in games is now super easy and fast, and the menu systems are easy to navigate and really, really intuitive. Quick Resume is a new feature allowing you to swap between games fast, and the Xbox Series X leaves the game in a suspended state. and works great in single-player offline games, but for online games you will still get booted from activities. However, it's really fast to swap between titles and it feels nice and quick and easy. Next up, let's talk about the games and there's not too many launch games to speak of when it comes to the Xbox Series X. You know, Halo was supposed to be here and we can still see Master Chief on the Xbox Series X boxes related to the planned promotional material. However, launch games don't really matter with the Xbox Series X because there's plenty to jump in with for free and if you've got a subscription to Xbox Game Pass, well, you're in the money. In terms of free games, you can jump straight into Fortnite, Warzone, Destiny 2, Apex Legends, and plenty of other top free games which offer a free-to-play model. Now, most of these games have been given a next-generation facelift, so you could be jumping in straight away with some beautiful-looking games with hundreds of hours of entertainment for free. But Xbox Game Pass is perhaps the killer app of this generation, especially given the acquisition of Bethesda and their partnership with EA. Now, I was using Xbox Game Pass on my PC, so I upgraded myself to the Ultimate Edition of Game Pass. So here I've got a collection of the latest games from Microsoft, Legacy, Xbox 360 games, and a huge range from Bethesda and EA too. It is a little bit overwhelming at times. It can feel a little bit like a Friday night when you're looking at Netflix and you really don't know what to watch. There's just so much choice here, but to be honest, I'm really, really not complaining. I have found that the Xbox Series X is my new indie machine with quick and easy access to indie titles like Narita Boy, Celeste, Ickenfell, Genesis Noir and also Subnautica. That's not to mention Halo Master Chief Collection, Forza, Gears of War, Sea of Thieves, Jedi Fallen Order, Fallout 3, Octopath Traveler, Star Wars Squadrons Control, Doom Eternal and Dishonored plus a whole load more. You know, the value the Xbox Game Pass offers is absolutely staggering, and it seems to get better and better as the weeks go by. Well, next up, let's have a look at the controller, and the Xbox controller has always been great, and I've been using my Xbox One controller plugged into my PC for many years now. There's a few improvements to the older gamepad, which include a share button, which allows the easy capture of a screenshot or recording a gameplay clip, which can then be easily shared. The D-pad has been improved too, taking inspiration from the Elite controller and includes a multi-directional control. But one of the main drawbacks I can think of with the controller is the fact that you still need batteries for this piece of hardware. I just wish I could charge it with the console itself, but I know this is kind of a personal preference thing. Next up, let's have a look at the backwards compatibility and Microsoft does seem to be focusing heavily on backwards compatibility this generation. So pretty much everything from Xbox One can run on Xbox Series X and Microsoft have worked hard to get a load of Xbox 360 titles working on there too. You know, older games benefit from next generation updates too, with improved frame rates, HDR, better resolution, and it all adds up to making the Xbox Series X feel great, great value. So in summary, the Xbox Series X is a no-nonsense games-playing machine. Super fast, easy to set up, and has a massive library of games via Game Pass or free games too. Given the number of acquisitions and deals Microsoft is making to bolster their library of Game Pass, it could be that Game Pass is the only subscription service you will need for games. I'm having a great time with the console so far, 
Although the lack of console-exclusive games is a little bit surprising, but this was likely hit by COVID. Now, Halo was planned for launch, but it simply wasn't ready. It's gone back in the oven until later in 2021, we all hope. And I'm fine with this, given the amount of great games that are appearing on Game Pass each week, and the Xbox Series X gives me a quick and easy way to play all these new great games. Sometimes I look at the library and just wonder what I'm going to download next, but when I compare this to my childhood and having to play the same game over and over again while I saved up for my next game, well, it's a really, really good problem to have. Well, that is it for my review of the Xbox Series X, and if you're enjoying this week in video games content, then check out Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games for benefits like joining in the community discussions on podcasts, early access and exclusive content, content voting, and also YouTube and podcast shoutouts. There's also a merch store which includes t-shirts, hoodies, and all kinds of other This Week in Video Games stuff. And watching the videos and interacting down there in the comments is more than enough. But if you want to support This Week in Video Games further, then you can, through Patreon and Teespring, check out the links down below for more information. I do hope you join me there on Patreon. It'd be great to hear from you and for you to join in the discussion on the podcast. Well, that is it for my shameless Patreon plug. Well, next up, let's have a look at my review of Narita Boy. Narita Boy is an action metroidvania with a mix of platforming set in a techno-futuristic world. It's gorgeous on the eyes and also on the ears too. It's got a retro feel but scratched below the surface and this is very much a modern game. Narita Boy is heavily inspired from the 80s in terms of visual design and music and the world is bright and vibrant and the soundtrack is heavy on the synth. At first glance, it looks like a retro game, but it's more retro-inspired with a modern-day twist. There's a constant CRT filter over the screen which adds to the theme. So you take on the role of Narita Boy has been brought back to battle him, a virus that's stolen the memories of the creator. Him unleashed evil onto the world via a series of enemies, and it's your job to retrieve the famous Techno Sword and return the creator's memories and also save the day. The narrative in the game can be a little bit confusing to be honest. When you first start the game there is plenty to read and the language used can often be a little bit overwhelming to start with. However, break through that dense narrative and there's a whole lot to reward you. You have to explore the neon world without the use of a map and that at times can get under your skin, especially when the world is fairly complex. You know, each new screen you encounter is named and you're going to be going back and forth to the objectives menu a fair bit. At first this is a little bit overwhelming, but things do get easier as you play through and the story envelops you into its grasp. There's plenty of NPCs in the game to interact with and the world that Narita Boy inhabits is kind of like a religious technology mashup with many hooded characters praising technology and often dancing in rituals. So at the start of the game there's many zones locked off to you and you have to perform a series of mini quests to get keys to open the path to the next area and it isn't always obvious where to go and what to do and that is probably one of the main disadvantages of the game. In terms of the gameplay there's platforming, sword fighting and traversal using a combination of jumping and mid-air dodging. Narita Boy himself does feel a little bit floaty but the combat is satisfying with the Techno Sword taking on many forms. So you can swipe in quick succession at the enemies or charge up the sword in a baseball style swing. You can also use the Techno Sword as a shotgun or hold down the button for a charged laser beam. It is pretty versatile but you can employ a combination of these skills to take down the game's array of enemies. 
Well, as you make your way further into the game, you'll unlock a new wildfire ability. So as you make your way further into the game, you'll unlock new wildfire abilities, which are red, yellow, and blue. So these colours are explained in the lore early on in the game, and they infuse Narita Boy with new powers. Once you use these new powers, you'll be able to take on enemies in the same colour with improved damage. However, your defences will also take a hit. So you do have to be careful and go in prepared. There's a range of enemies in the game which include your standard zombie types who lumber back and forward. You've got sword wielding enemies where you have to keep an eye on their blade and also many other variants too. So Narita Boy does a great job of constantly introducing you to new enemy types, keeping the gameplay fresh and interesting. Boss battles are great fun and the music ramps up to make them feel extra epic and they work really well as standalone set pieces. The creator's memories are particularly good where you're taken back to rural Japan where he grew up as a boy. These moments Narita Boy slows down to a walk and you're able to slowly take in this tranquil environment. The game doesn't always do a great job of explaining everything to you, but therein lies the mystery. You know, If you like things spelled out 100%, then Narita Boy may not be for you. However, if you're into sci-fi, the 80s and pixel-inspired artwork, and I really think you're going to enjoy this one. Just don't expect your hand to be held all the way through. It's difficult to go into too much detail on this game without going into spoilers, but I think it's definitely worth downloading and checking out as it's got all the right attributes to be a hit game. It's also available on Xbox Game Pass, so if you're a subscriber, then you already have access to the game. Metroidvanias have been everywhere over the past few years. Some are great, and some are definitely worth a miss. However, I'd say Narita Boy is worth experiencing. The graphics, the music all work together really well and the storytelling is absolutely top notch. It may be vague at times but everything from the pixel inspired cutscenes to the immense amount of NPC dialogue and the world building make this world worth exploring and spending time in. Well, The game was developed by Studio Koba, it was published by Team 17, it's available on PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One and Playstation 4. Well that is it for my review of Narita Boy but next up Let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, this week at 10, down four places from last week's number six, it's Minecraft. And number nine this week, up five places from last week's number 14, it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And number eight this week, it's Super Mario 3D All-Stars, down six places from last week's number two, and number 7 this week it's Ring Fit Adventure, up 9 places from last week's number 16. And number 6 this week it's a new entry with Outriders. And number 5 this week it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up 2 places from last week's number 7. And number 4 this week it's Monster Hunter Rise, down from last week's number 1. And number 3 this week it's Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, up 1 place from last week's number 4. And number 2 this week it's Animal Crossing New Horizons, up 1 place from last week's number 3. And back in at number 1, it's FIFA 21, up 7 places from last week's number 8. Well, that is it for the charts this week. But next up, let's check out my review of Genesis Noir. Genesis Noir isn't like many other games. It presents a unique view on the Big Bang, time travel, as well as love and mystery all wrapped up in a detective noir form. This indie game constantly offers up unique gameplay mechanics and will take you on a roller coaster of discovery, all the while looking very, very stylish too. So in Genesis Noir, you play as No Man, 
selling watches on a street corner. No man then walks in on his lover, about to be shot by a mystery person. However, the gunshot slows down, and as the bullet races towards your lover's head, all of space and time present themselves in this similarly explosive moment. Before the bullet reaches your lover, it's your job to solve the mysteries of the universe, trying to understand the events that led to this moment. No Man is also caught up in a love triangle with jazz singer Miss Mass and the jealous shooter Golden Boy. And once you burst in and experience the mini Big Bangs, time stands relatively still. It's down to you to solve a series of puzzles intermingled with fantastic animation and also some jazz music too. Puzzles in the game are fairly light, although I did get caught up earlier in the game in the seeding puzzle. The game doesn't really explain what you have to do or how you have to do it. I have a feeling this may be better experienced on PC, as I was exploring around with the controller on Xbox, and at times it didn't feel really intuitive. That aside, the puzzles do flow and there's invention and fantastic animation all the way through. One minute you're planting dark seeds that destroy dark matter, and next you're rotating the sun and the moon to make plants grow at super speed. The slight frustrations of being caught in an area quickly melt away when you're presented with these type of visuals. Line drawing, often black on white with a little dusting of gold thrown in for good measure. The game can feel like a psychedelic dream at some moments. For example, the dream sequence from Dumbo, or the boat ride in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder version of course. And I do like this experimental nature to gameplay and storytelling. It's one of the reasons why I love indie games so much. The variety and the experiments are often very refreshing. The jazz and the animations go together really well, and the flow of the saxophone or the piano mixed with the fluid and strange animation is a feast for the eyes and the ears. You know, sometimes the puzzles do have a habit of interrupting the flow of the game, which is a shame, and jazz and experimental animation and gameplay seem to go together really well, thinking back to April of 2019. Genesis Noir starts off great, but as you make your way through the game, it does slow down a little bit, and then it finishes off quite suddenly. Overall, it's a fun experience, has some really nice experimental gameplay, and it definitely should be played to be experienced. It's another one available on Xbox Game Pass and also on other platforms too. It's one of those games I'm happy is on Game Pass because many more people will get to experience it. It's a game that tackles big subject matter like space, time, and an interconnecting world made of matter wrapped up in a noir mystery love triangle. Now, it's unique, interesting, and epitomises the reasons why I love indie games and the gameplay experiences they can offer up. Genesis Noir isn't going to be for everyone's taste, and it can be slow. It's not immediately obvious what you have to do all the time, but if you're game for an experimental ride into space and time, then it's worth picking it up and enjoying what it has to offer. Well, the game was developed by Feral Cat Den. It's released on Windows, Mac, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch, and it was originally released on the 26th of March, 2021. That is it for my review of Genesis Noir. Next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. So on the 6th of April, we've got Lost Worlds Beyond the Page. That's PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Oddworld Soulstorm. That's coming out on PS5, PS4 and PC. Then on the 8th of April, we've got Before Your Eyes. That's coming out on PC. Then we've got Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4, that one's coming out on Switch and PC. Then on the 13th we've got Poison Control, that's PS4 and Switch. Then on the 15th we've got Ash Walkers, that's coming out on PC. Then another one on the 15th of April, Saga Frontier Remastered, 
It's coming out on PS4, Switch, PC, iOS, and also Android 2. Well, that is it for this week's episode, and if you want to get involved in the show, then get in contact through patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games, or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. And as always, thank you so much for watching or listening. For more This Week in Video Games content like this, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description, and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIFG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Thanks again. I'll see you soon.